Welcome to Soundpost, a podcast dedicated to exploring the meaning of concert music in today's world through conversations with its leading artists. I am Carlos Miguel Prieto. And I am Raul Gomez, and our guest for this show is no other than Paquito de Rivera. Paquito, how are you? Very good. You know, I feel like El Conde de Montecristo. I cannot get out of my house. But, uh, <laughs> I am very happy to talk to you. Let me take you back in time. January 10, 2005. Oh, wow. This was a date that was life-changing for me and for a bunch of other musicians from the Orchestra of the Americas because on January 10, 2005 was your 50 years and 10 nights in show business celebration concert at Carnegie Hall. Wow. And a group of us played with you and this concert that included, of course, yourself, Yo-Yo Ma, Bebo Valdez, Cachao, Michel Camilo, Rosa Passos, and a bunch of other luminaries of, of show business. It was a big celebration. That was so much fun. I think it's the first time that anyone put together in Carnegie Hall a group of people so different, you know, from Cachao and Yo-Yo Ma in the same. And Candido. Candido Camero, the, the uh, conga player, together with Yo-Yo Ma. That, that, that was a great event. I will remember forever. That was one of several occasions in which you have performed with the Orchestra of the Americas. And Carlos, do you have a favorite collaboration with Paquito? Every single one of them. <laughs> We've had so much time to look back that I've looked back at the last uh, something like 18 years. Uh, working with Paquito has been a constant source of learning and uh, growth and enjoyment. The first time I ever worked with him was in Milwaukee with Milwaukee Symphony. And the first thing he said to me is, just follow the drummer. <laughs> and since then, that's what I've been trying to do, uh, hopefully better and better. But over the years, we've done so, so many things in so many places, and he's been such an incredible inspiration. Uh, but especially the things we've done with Orchestra of the Americas have been absolutely memorable. I remember very vividly a tour, a South American tour, where we had very interesting trips on a plane called Planet Airways. <laughs> I don't know, Raul, if you remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that was great. 2003. 2003. It was an epic tour. <laughs> so Planet Airways and uh, Paquito was a participant in the pillow fight. A pillow fight. I will remember that forever. <laughs> Let me uh, tell this story briefly. For that tour, we had a charter plane. We would fly with the same crew, same plane, to all of the countries we visited. And we started this tradition that now looking back, I kind of feel bad for the crew that when we landed every time, we started a pillow fight with the airplane pillows. And these... These pillow fights escalated. <laughs> they became pretty intense. <laughs> well, not only not only the pillow fights were the whole the whole tour was was an experience. Raúl, you 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 were young, like like most of your, the musicians of the Orchestra of the Americas, and to see a bunch of uh, adults like Paquito and like me and like some others actually behave like little kids <laughs> was something very special. I I just remember how Paquito was miraculously good every single concert. He was. Uh, and one of the things that happened in that, in that uh, tour is that this 
plane by Planet Airways kept on getting heavier and heavier and heavier <laughs> as we got along because people got souvenirs. But there was a memorable trip between Quito, Ecuador, and Aracaju, Brazil. And the plane took off from Quito and had to go to Guayaquil because they couldn't put enough fuel to cross the Amazon. So we went from Quito to Guayaquil and then back from Guayaquil all the way to Aracaju. We crossed the Amazon. One, wonderful memories oh, with yeah. Paquito. I remember the, the uh, guy who played the uh, concertino, the, the concert master, was a Russian guy. He played beautiful. I can't remember his name. That's Pavel. Yes. Uh, uh, Pavel pa 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 Pavel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pavel. He made a very good friend with Alom Yafnai. I used to have a very good uh, Israeli pianist who, who speak any language. His uh, mother is from... Uh, from Argentina, so he speaks very good Spanish and Hebrew. And, and I think and, he lived in Costa Rica for, for some time, by the way. He, he lived in Costa Rica for a little while, yeah. and, uh, and he learned to speak in Russian just to talk to Pavel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people that have uh, the, the ability to, uh, to assimilate all other cultures or other languages, and the same thing by assimilating all different styles of music. Along was a guy who can play any type of music from Chopin to, to Eddie Palmieri, whatever, you know, Brazilian music and all that. And, and they ended up playing some duets and trios and quartets. It was an incredible uh, journey, you know, with that orchestra because they, 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 they were so enthusiastic about playing music and being on the road. And, uh, and for me, it was to you know like, like like coming back to childhood, you know. For all of us, it was really life changing. I mean, like you're describing, uh, you know, being able to absorb and assimilate different uh, cultures and musical idioms. For us, we that's exactly what we saw you do in Paquito. And I remember you playing the Mozart clarinet concerto, the second movement in an arrangement for for uh, orchestra and your ensemble and uh, in the same concert playing music by Pichinguinha or playing <laughs> Villa Lobo saxophone concerto. So for many of us, that's what that was. It was an eye-opening experience and an inspiration that, you know, 15 or 20 years later, that it's still with us. Well, that is what music is all about, you know. It's uh, like Quincy Jones say, say once, they say, we, we use you know, all, this, all the same 12 tones. <laughs> that's all we have, and that's enough, you know, because uh, we, we can have a lot of fun playing around with those 12 stones. You know, I, I want to share with you uh, something that you may or may not know, but about that, that tour that we are talking about. Uh, but one, one of the wonderful things that I've seen over the years is how you have inspired um, young musicians uh, to become... Uh, better and also to become freer. And one of them is our friend uh, Jose Frank Ballester, who has ended up being a clarinet soloist uh, around the world and who won uh, Young Concert Artist. And Jose, I believe at the time, was either in Curtis or one of these uh, wonder wonderful institutions studying clarinet. And Jose is from Valencia. Valencia, España, yeah. uh, which is, Spain. is full of wind players and marvelous musicians. And I remember that whenever you started playing, 
Jose, who was one of the real stars of the or of the orchestra that year, I remember him playing incredibly well the solo from uh, Kodai Dances of Galanta, which is a beautiful clarinet solo. But when you started playing and the way you played, he he was just in complete and total admiration, and he completely changed his way of viewing music, and basically. What he's told me is that what triggered it for him was how you played the encore, uh, which that year was Oblivion, ah. which you play like like nobody else. And Jose went on to become a a, a career soloist and to go uh, to really a very very high level. Not only thanks to playing the clarinet very well, let's say academically, but to have and to look for the freedom of sound and the freedom of expression that you make. And one of the things that you kept doing that year and that you do whenever I work with you, which is that sometimes we play a piece of yours that has a incredibly challenging rhythm. And then as classically trained musicians that we are, we're trying to figure out that rhythm that you have put on paper. And initially the first times it really doesn't sound like what it's supposed to sound so what you say is no 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 that's very easy what i wrote is very easy it's just supposed to sound like and then you demonstrate it and on the paper it sounds like an unplayable rhythm but then when you demonstrate it, it becomes something else. So I'd like to ask you about this always difficult relationship or always tricky relationship between, let's say, music that's not uh, meant to be read and classical music. Because this is one of my obsessions now is how can we bridge that gap? The, the rhythm is in my opinion, the most important part of music is not the melody or the harmony or anything, it's the rhythm. Because you have a heart, and your heart, everybody has a heart that, that beats boom, 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 boom. The other day I went to a, a, a clarinet meeting with a, a five or six or seven students, and all of them, all of them, have the, the technical facility, very nice sound, most of them, blah, blah. But they try, they they play with no, you can feel it that they were playing with no internal rhythm, no thinking of rhythm all the time. We're, we're playing very good. You cannot play the, the, <laughs> the music unless it's a recitative that is Lenny Rubato and all that. You know. Well, that's different. But if, if it's a music that have a one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, or whatever, you have to think in rhythm. In any type of music, doesn't have to be a rumba. In any type of music, uh, I, I remember that uh, the, the great... Uh, Chucho Valdez, the pianist, who is a, a very versatile pianist. Uh, there was a, a, a student to ask him, what should I do to improve my piano playing? 
And Chucho, Chucho told the guy, buy yourself a conga. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> See, I mean that. You, you will never play like Tata Wines or, or like, like uh, Giovanni Hidalgo or anything. But you know, you will feel how the rhythm... You, you will have that feeling with you. Learning to play uh, a percussion instrument gives you already a sense of rhythm. It's important. It, this, the, same, the same way goes to the piano. Uh, Miles Davis was asked one, what should I do, in a student, say, what should I do to improve my trumpet playing? And Miles say, get yourself a piano. <laughs> it sounds like no sense, but it's a lot of sense because the, the piano is, a, is, is the king of the instruments. So when you, when you learn to play the piano, you improve your trumpet playing. And when you buy, when, when you get for yourself a percussion instrument, you, you, learn, you learn not to play the instrument because you probably you will never play the, the instrument uh, in a certain level. But you learn to understand how rhythm works and to think in rhythm, uh, rhythm terms all the time. And that helps you playing a lot. And that helps you a lot playing with other people. Also, it's like having a, 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 a metronome all the time. There is a serious problem in, a, in the, let's say, the, the classical training uh, education. Uh, it's it the syncopation. The syncopation is something that, that is, is very important to get because uh give you a freedom you know when you think a if you get used to that instead of when you understand a a syncopation like you are in problem because you have to hit the note and leave it it's not pa 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 pa. You're not playing Brahms. <laughs> Which is beautiful. But when you put the bongo there, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's so different concept, you know. But music is a little more than notes. It's the, the intention. And, and uh, in this type of what you call rhythm music, the syncopation is something that you have to denote and leave it. Para, pa, pa, pa. No, para, pa, pa, pa. Because when you get to the end, you are like a beat late. <laughs> Paquito, let me ask you this. Are there any classical musicians or musicians that work within the classical music world that you find to be really strong uh, rhythmically in the way that you're describing? Oh, for example, Pablo Singer. Pablo Singer is, is a very pure classical Uruguayan pianist and conductor. And I don't think he is a, a, a rhythmical oriented person, according to the, the music that he more used to, to, to play. But he rationalized the, the, uh, the rhythm and all that and they put together, and I never had a problem with him conducting or, or, or playing the piano rhythmically. Uh, but you know something? Every person is, is different. Every person is is totally different, and everybody assimilates rhythm in a different way. For, for example, the, the pianist that uh, Kathy, Catherine Stott, 
the, the pianist who accompanied uh, Yo-Yo for the last 30 years. She's from England. She, I don't think she never uh, played regularly popular music or jazz or anything. But I never had problem with, with her in the syncopation. For some reason, I was worried about when we were supposed to play certain type of music. We, we work with a group that, that, uh, that Yo-Yo put together. But I, I never had a problem with her at all, rhythmically. And another, another people that they can mention because they are very classical trained and have a, it's a lot of fun to play with them rhythmically. Uh, they are sad brothers, the guitarists. Why? Because they are Brazilians. <laughs> and, uh, and they are classical music, to call it some way. They, they're classical music, Villalobos and, and all those guys. Uh, they are very rhythmic, you know. Villalobos uh, and Nazareth and all those uh, Brazilian compo classical composers are, are very rhythmic. But, but I, as I said before, everybody has a different way to, of approaching rhythm. And always I keep the, uh, the opinion that you don't have to be Austrian to play Mozart. <laughs> All you need is some talent and dedication to the music. Or you, need a, you need the talent first, you know. And then dedicate yourself to try to understand the music. The first time I, I, I tried to play uh, La Historia del Soldado, Stravinsky, I almost canceled the recording because I said, wow, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to be a play. <laughs> Until I, I got inside, there was a, a clarinet player, a friend of mine, an old guy. I said, no, 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 it's not, a, it's not as hard as you think it is. You're going to be playing with other people. And the other people will help you to understand that. They, they will hold on you. And, and you will understand. Uh, and for some reason, people that play that very easily have problems understanding some some other rhythms that are very simple for me. So it's, it's kind of complicated and very simple at the same time. One of the things that working with you uh, has been uh, very clear to me is your instinct and knowledge of different types of music and different rhythms and if we let's exclude for now Europe for one second and if we just focus on our continent the American continent the new world a friend of mine who went to a concert that we just had together a few months ago in in Spain in Valladolid he put he made a list of the different countries that were represented in your playing in that program. And the list was something like 10 to 12 countries, okay? Starting with Brazil, Argentina, uh, uh, Cuba, Mexico, Estados Unidos, Venezuela, Colombia. Okay, so let's say 10 countries. And the types of different music and rhythms represented you know and i'm not going to start because there's it's a huge amount some of them bridge different different uh, borders well what to me is amazing and i think makes you absolutely unique one of a kind in today's world is the fact that in a piece like let's say daniel freiber's fantasias suddenly you can go from samba 
to cha 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 and then swing uh, and and sometimes that's a planned but sometimes it's unplanned and it's absolutely at the spur of the moment and that's due to you and to the wonderful musicians that that you that you work with that 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 you invite but I think that as a as a musician, as a conductor, and as an orchestral player, these things that you do so naturally are absolutely eye-opening in a way that is incredible because we are not used to it. We are not used to go to go into so many different types of rhythms. So you have a natural affinity for the music of Brazil. Okay. That's clear to me. That's clear to me that you have a natural affinity to the music of Cuba, to different music from the United States. But if you tell us about your upbringing, about your growing up in Cuba, how did you and when did you incorporate such encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of the music of such a vast continent? First of all, listening. You, 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 uh, uh, people learn and animals too. <laughs> we are animals too. Well, uh, we learn by, by, by copying, by imitating. So I love the music of Brazil. Uh, then I, I was, there was a time that I surround myself in New York only by, by Brazilian musicians. So I tried to copy, especially Claudio Roditi, for example, the wonderful Brazilian friend of mine, trumpet player extraordinaire, who died uh, a, few, a few months ago. And, and so many others. And Cuban music is in my blood. And, and swing, I've been listening to jazz since I was a kid. My, my father played for me a, a Benny Goodman LP, Life at, Blue, uh, Life at Carnegie Hall, when I was a kid with Benny Goodman with his big band. And I was surprised for that. I said, what is that? And he told me, that is swing. And that is Carnegie Hall. When he say Carnegie Hall, I understood Carnegie Frijol. <laughs> 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 then he explained to me uh, uh, what is uh, the music. And then I, I tried transcribing it, uh, uh, Benny Goodman's solos. Still, I, still today, I put that that LP and I play the solos together uh, along with the with the uh, with, this, uh, with the LP. And and the same thing happened with Charlie Parker. Uh, same thing happened when I when I uh, I love tango, for example. I grew up in a in a culture of, of uh, Argentinian and Mexican movies. Talking about uh, uh, Libertad Amarque, uh, Hugo del Carril, and of course uh, uh, Gardel uh, uh, records. So the uh, one of my favorite instruments is the bandoneon. I love that instrument. And then I, I, I try to copy the, the, uh, the expression that the bandoneon, I think the bandoneon is uh, after, the, after the cello or the violin, the most expressive instrument ever made. And, and then I try to copy those phrases. I love that thing. Uh, and yeah. you get used to that and, and also you surround yourself with people that know what they are doing. And one of them, for example, is a bass player that has been playing with me for more than 30 years, a Peruvian guy called uh, uh, Oscar Stagnaro. He knows all those styles so well. 
because he, he loved that. I don't think you follow uh, uh, classical music or, or uh, Middle Eastern music or anything, but in terms of, of the new world music, he's a specialist. So uh, he had been very close to me for many years, and then uh, I, I, I love the music. And the common language that glued together all, all those styles is a four-letter word. It's called jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you live in the New York area, yeah. and New York could very well be <laughs> the place in the world with the m best Latin American uh, mu jazz musicians from from what I see because there are so so many. Yeah. So uh, the the fact that you are in New York has shaped also your your life yes. in, in in a very interesting way. So it's again it's it's uh, supporting what you say that music has no borders because you can find. A, a, a great, uh, a great Argentinian pianist uh, who plays tango better than anyone in Manhattan. Uh, so it's it's complete fallacy that music uh, that only Brazilians can play good uh, Brazilian music. In your programs, you switch between clarinet and saxophone. And uh, that, that is something that I guess to you is very natural. Uh, but I also sense that from the musician's perspective or for the audience, that gives you an, an incredible variety of sound. Is that something that is common in, in jazz clarinetists to switch between clarinet and saxophone the way you do it? Usually... Uh uh, saxophone players, usually, they start with the clarinet. The clarinet is a more demanding instrument than the saxophone. Uh, the, the great Frank West, who obviously didn't like too much the clarinet, he said that the clarinet was invented by five men that never met. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, usually, we... Uh, Saxophones players, they start with the clarinet. But in my case, my father was a saxophone player. He was a classical saxophone player, actually. And then uh, he, he was a Selmer representative in Havana. So he imported for me in 1953, I was five years old, he imported a curved soprano in B flat, very small instrument, beautiful. Still, I have that, that instrument. And I start playing playing that instrument when I was five years old. And I didn't play the clarinet until I was around 11 or 12. But it's, it's, it's pretty natural for, for, for clarinet players to play the saxophone. Not, not all of us, but many of us play the, the clarinet and the saxophone, especially uh, jazz players. But also classical players, you know, there is... Great clarinet player who played very good saxophone. Larry Combs is, is an example. Larry Combs is a, the principal clarinetist for the Chicago Symphony for many years. Uh, Al Regni, the uh, fantastic saxophone player with the New York Philharmonic, he's a very good clarinet player too. It, it's pretty common. And when you talk about uh, finding good, uh, good Brazilian musicians who play 
uh, Brazilian music. I can mention that one of the best Chorinho, uh, Brazilian music players that I, I, I ever met, and I think is one of the best, if not the best in the market today, is an Israeli girl called Anat Cohen. <laughs> can, how, can I, how can you explain that? Anat is a scary playing play of Chorinho music. She speaks perfect uh, Portuguese, I mean Brazilian, and she said, sat in, she used to go to Rio de Janeiro and sit in the, the, the uh, Scola de Samba and uh, speaking in Portuguese with no accent and playing the music with no accent. So you don't have to be Austrian to play Mozart, you know? Paquito, one moment that I'll never forget of hearing you play live was when you, you were playing as a trio with Mark Summers, the cellist, and oh. Alon Yavnai, the pianist, and you guys were playing Piazzolla. Mm. And between Mark and Alon, they were doing something in the way they were playing together that sounded exactly like a bandoneon. <laughs> in those days, I have uh, this, this uh, pianist, Alon. He got the facility to, to understand the, those, those Argentinian-style Piazzolla and Horacio Salgan. Uh, Alon used to copy Oh, that style of Horacio Sargan, exactly, you know. And, and then in those days, we get together with Mark uh, Sommer, which is a, an, an American cellist. And we were listening to uh, for quite quite a bit of some bandoneonists here in New York and in, in recording. So we, we try to, to play the music correctly. Because sometimes in, in, in North America and also in Europe, doesn't matter if, if you say you, you are from south of the border, they sing to you La Cucaracha. <laughs> <laughs> La Cucaracha is a German song, you know? <laughs> so it, it, is, it is different styles of music that you can hear that uh, have a lot of similarities, but they have a lot of differences. And the fun is exactly in the differences of those uh, music styles. And if you hear some bandoneon in what we play, well, that, that's the idea. That was the idea. I remember one thing about a concert that we had in Mexico City, but you were playing one of your improvisations and suddenly you saw very far up in Sala Nezahualcoyot in the audience, this gentleman that uh, that you recognized and you stopped playing and you said, Coño, Fejove. Fejove, oh yeah. So this gentleman, <laughs> Fejove, I didn't know who he was. And then I started Googling who he was and what made him so distinctive. Because if I understand correctly, Fejove was Cuban. Yes. And moved to Mexico and was part of the golden age of Mexican uh, film movies <laughs> but the fact that yeah. you that you recognize them tell us about how important this connection between the mexican films of the golden the edad de oro and well, cubans uh, cuba and mexico artistically have been very uh, cr cr cross pollinating you see <laughs> i am learning this language <laughs> the cross pollinating, and then Feyove was a very, very uh, uh, unique character in Cuban music. He left when he was very young, but Feyove was the first scat singer who mixed bebop, uh, scatting, 
with Cuban music. So for us, it was very, very important. You know, he was the first person who, who started doing what, what uh, Dizzy Gillespie or, or, or Louis Anto were doing, the bebop thing. That bebop stuff. <laughs> he was he mixed it with Cuban music, then sound like a combination of Dizzy uh, and, and, and Candido. Because he, he mixed, he mixed all that. Uh, the Cuban music would be Bob. Huh. And he, he recorded uh, many years ago uh, a, a song called Mango Mangue. It's <laughs> Mango, 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 Mangue. El rico mango y cocho es lo que le gusta a usted. Uh, and, uh, he moved to Mexico. He made that that uh, composition by El Niño Rivera, very popular. Uh, he becomes sort of a, a star in, in uh, Mexican movies, but people always remember him. Uh, he was a very beloved artist, and I was so happy to see him in my concert, in a symphonic concert, to have Feo, uh, they used to call him El Gran Feyove. El Gran Feyove. <laughs> El Gran Feyove. <laughs> and last year, or two years ago, uh, in the same hall in Salanesa, there was uh, Armando Manzanero. Oh, Armando, yeah. He was sitting in the third row. We didn't know that he was, he was coming, but then he showed up. And then you did something which, again, for us square classical musicians is magnificent and unique, which is that when the audience started asking for an encore, you told your musicians, uh, the pianist was Alex Brown, who is a wonderful, wonderful uh, young pianist. Uh, wonderful and, pianist. Yeah. And Alex and you did um, a song by Manzanero, which ended up being kind of a <laughs> Manzanero medley. Wow, uh, very cool. Popurri de Manzanero. And you can imagine 2,000 people in Mexico City uh, just going crazy. And then the next thing, and I can send you probably privately, the photograph behind stage, because Paquito was wearing a beautiful, because he's a sharp dresser, a beautiful yellow jacket, okay? Like very, very elegant, like linen. And then uh, Manzanero was wearing a very classy purple uh, blazer. Yeah. And I, as a, again, boring um, classical musician, was wearing tails. Oh my you were wearing your frac. Am, <laughs> uh, frac, yes. And so I have this photo that looks like a W <laughs> because Paquito is quite tall and then Manzanero is very small and then I'm, very, I'm quite tall. So... This photograph is unforgettable for me because of the reunion of two great musicians, but also because of everything that happened in the moment. And we love to have that picture. We I can send you this that picture. In my, in my wall, that picture of Manzanero, you and I. And, and you can have fun with it. Uh, I, I'd like to ask you, what are your future uh, dreams? Are you composing? Are you... Are you planning anything new? What are you working on? Well, I, I finished last year 
the the uh, the rice and bean concerto. I hope someday we can do that together. <laughs> the the rice and bean concerto is is a. I I will tell you the story from the beginning. I received a call from, from the Kennedy Center Symphony Orchestra, the National Symphony. Oh, Paquito, yeah. Do you do you still want to write the rice and beans concerto? I say the what? <laughs> <laughs> The rice and bean concerto. What what are you talking about? No, if you don't want, you don't have to to uh, <laughs> to do it. But Yo-Yo Ma told us that you want to to write a, a piece called the rice and bean concerto. <laughs> I say he told you that. I say yeah. Well, the the story is that I call him rice because he's Chinese, and he called me beans because I am Cubans and we we love eating black uh, black beans. <laughs> so, so I say you don't want to do that. I say, Okay, I will do that. Then I wrote the piece in three movements that includes also a, a Chinese violin, uh, an Edhu, for clarinet, uh, clarinet and saxophone, a cello and, and the, uh, the, the Edhu. I, it's finished. I hope that someday we can go to, to the stage again with, with uh, Maestro Prieto, which is one of my favorite people. <laughs> Gracias. Your latest book, uh It was published in 2015, Letter, Letters to Yeyito. Ah, the new one. Do you imagine you'll have another coming up in the next few years? You read my mind because uh, <laughs> for, for the last week or something, I had to go back to the computer and write some some uh, more experiences that I had. And, uh, you know, those those two, uh, two anecdotes that, uh, that Maestro Prieto mentioned, I had to put that in paper, you know, the the, the encounter with Feo and with Manzanero in Mexico and so many others. Yes, I have some idea of uh, of uh, going back to write again. I like writing. And let me ask you this. If you could go back in time, Paquito de Rivera, and find a 12 or 13-year-old Paquito, what advice would you have for your 12-year-old self? <laughs> that, that, that's a... <clears throat> That's a, a real su surrealistic. <laughs> That's a whole book. You, you can write a whole book on that. <laughs> you know what? In my book, Letters to Yeyito, that was the question. I said, it is worth it to, to pursue a career as a musician? My answer is always the same. Yes, indeed. If I had to do all this again, I would do it. Mistakes included. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because from the mistake you learn. But like my friend Yoyo, Or say my my great passion is not the cello, my great passion are the people, the the people that you know when you play the cello or the clarinet or the conga, the the bongo or you are a conductor or whatever, the people that we find around. I love traveling and meet, meeting different people and playing with different musicians. This is an amazing career and uh, um, I want to keep doing since the end to toward the end. I had no choice. I had to pay my rent too. <laughs> Paquito, to give an example <laughs> of what um, uh, love uh, for people and that uh, is also called generosity, I, I want to tell you a, a very recent example of Paquito's generosity. We uh, in the Orquesta Sinfónica de Minería recorded and very successfully an album for Deutsche Grammophon with four different new trumpet concertos. One by Arturo Márquez, one by uh, Daniel Freiberg, one by Efraín Orscher, 
and the most difficult one by Paquito de Rivera. And we played the four concerti in September or August of last year in Bellas Artes. And Paquito was unable to come to the premiere because he was playing in Dallas the same day. And um, Paquito does miraculous things, but one thing he hasn't found yet is how to be in two places at the same time. <laughs> but he surprised us by very generously coming to Mexico City for the recording sessions, which actually happened at Estudios Churubusco, which is where the music for Cantinflas films was recorded. And he played in his own piece, in his own concerto, which is a fabulous trumpet concerto. And he also played uh, an improvisation in Daniel Freiberg's uh, Fantasias Latinoamericanas. Uh, this was a complete bonus. We hadn't uh, imagined that that would happen. Uh, so in that recording session, there was so, so much to be remembered that we decided to hire a cinematographer to come and tape these things. So we taped the interactions between Paquito and Pacho Flores, who is the miraculous Venezuelan trumpet player who commissioned these pieces. But we also taped the interactions between Paquito and Arturo Marquez, between Daniel Freiber, etc. So music is not about music, it's about people and it's about generosity. You've gone and toured through Asia. What is the response to Latin jazz there? In my case, what happened is that they, they don't know what to expect, <laughs> me either. And we can, we can combine different type of music into this magic language that is called jazz. In, in a jazz concert, it's not very common to hear something by Johann Sebastian Bach. Bach was the first bebopper. The lines of So all you have to look for the interrelation between all those, those different styles of music. Raul, at the beginning of this uh, program, mentioned Mozart Clarinet Concerto. Can you tell us what you turn the second movement of cl Mozart Clarinet Concerto into? It, it, it sounds to me, for many years, it sounds like a blues. <laughs> that is written in three. One... But I feel that in six, which is uh, that type of, of, of blues rhythm is written in six. With, the, with what they call the, the back beat. It sounds like gospel music. <laughs> Uh, music from the from the uh, the African American church. Well, <laughs> it's a, it, I, I, always I say that uh, that Mozart was from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the reaction of uh, because I, I've done this with different orchestras from different countries with you, and initially, because I you know I'm supposed to conduct the opening, and. Everyone knows this piece, and everyone knows how it goes, and that it's in three. <laughs> yeah. And then I start conducting in six, 
and people look at me like, has this guy gone nuts? <laughs> what is happening? Why is he conducting in He's six? <laughs> and then you are you are you start, and, and the, the first who, the first people who look at me with like uh, eyes of amazement are the clarinetists of the orchestra. Yeah, okay? what the they hell look are you at doing? Me like, <laughs> What is going to happen, okay? <laughs> and then you start playing, and then the band starts playing, and there is this collective sign of amazement in the orchestra, and especially, like, liberation in the wind section. Like, oh, my yeah. God, what is <laughs> he doing? So and it's, it's so, so wonderful. Cool. <laughs> so I just want to tell you that what you do for music and what you do for for classical orchestras, for musicians, is give us the greatest gift of happiness, liberation, learning, and joy. Uh, because you make music happen on the spot. My, my uncles who were present in your concerts in Valladolid said, we are so happy that we went to all the concerts because every concert had a different experience. You make music happen on the spur of the moment. And that's, I think, what music is supposed to be. That, that is the, the marvel of, of, of improvisation. And then at the end of that, that, that movement of the Mozart Concerto, we have the chance to show the universality of Mozart. Some, uh, some people don't even know that those, you know, the uh, people that listen to all the type of music, when, the, when I play, everybody, in the audience, do like, everybody say, and then you put some rhythm on it. And, and people know Mozart to the rumba, which is the easiest way to, to meet Mozart, you know? <laughs> and the other one... <laughs> Is what you do with to Brenda with love. Ah, the, the, those, those are ten bars from the uh, two voice invention by, by Bach. That's such a marvelous thing. And then I decide to put that in in a first in samba tempo, and then in a, in rumba tempo. Have you ever played that in Germany? Many times. <laughs> <laughs> and they love it. But I said them that always they make a mistake about the passport of, of Mr. Johann, Johann Sebastian Bach. He really, they, they insist that yeah, he's German, but I am sorry, but he, he was from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. <laughs> and his real name was Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> and then we play that thing and everybody has so much fun and pa Paquito if I were to write a book about you mm -hmm. and this book has only five words <laughs> it's, a, it's a five word book what would those five words be let's have fun playing music <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah, because it's a contraption so it's one word Let's have fun playing music. Those are the five words. Paquito, thank you so much for spending time with us. My pleasure to be 
uh, with you guys and thank you for bringing back one of my favorite people, my friend Maestro Prieto. Thank you, Paquito. Muchísimas gracias. I get to wrap this up and to say that it's been such an honor to work with you. Oh, do you want to play something? Gracias, Paquito. I'm Carlos Miguel Prieto. And I'm Raul Gomez. Talk to you guys next time. Hasta la próxima, hermano. Sound Post is a production of the Orchestra of the Americas Group with additional support provided by MYS Portland. Visit theoagroup.org backslash soundpost to learn more.